Hi, welcome to Grace Intersect. The goal of this podcast is to help us have an increasingly clear understanding of grace. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining us today. What do you think? Do most people go to their graves still wondering? Of all the questions you ask yourself, I'll bet this one comes up often. I know you have asked this question, and you have heard others ask this question probably many times. Who am I? Oh, that question. Does it make you feel frustrated just hearing it? Depending on where you are in your life experience, you may be ready to just ignore that question. After all, have you heard a really satisfying answer to it? Have you figured it out yet? Do you think you ever will? I've heard people of many different ages, young to old, asking that question with a longing to know the answer for themselves. Seems like a normal question for young adults trying to, you know, find themselves. When I was a young adult, the thing I heard often was people my age were going to Boulder, Colorado to find themselves. Having been to Boulder often, it didn't do that much for me. Then again, that's not why I've been going there. Also, have you noticed a lot of adults going through their midlife crisis stage and are still asking that question? Or maybe they thought they had it figured out, and it turns out they didn't. What's the big deal about that question anyway? While who I am can be pondered for a very long time, it's probably not too long after thinking about that question before the follow-up question hits. You know what it is. What am I doing here? The two questions obviously are connected. The answer to the first can help answer the second. But without an answer to who am I, you may still find somewhat of an answer to, what am I doing here? However, most of the answers probably relate more to what you do or did than who you are. When you were, say, 10 years old, the answers you considered were far different than just 5 years later, when you were 15. And 15-year-old answers were probably even more different than when you were 25. And then... And then, in about another 20 years or so, the midlife crisis hits. Who am I? What am I doing here? Such fundamental questions that seem like answers should be known early on for a fulfilling life. They very often, and maybe even most often, are still lingering with unsatisfying answers well into adulthood, if the answers are ever found. Have you noticed that as you were growing up at different stages and perhaps in different places, No matter how much you could improve your response to that first question, it never seemed like it was quite complete. Okay, I'm projecting here because that has been my experience. But I'm pretty sure almost everyone can relate. There was always something deep inside. You know, that very personal something. Well, it wasn't satisfied with what my mind was providing. That part of us is what I would now identify as soul-related. The searching in the soul would come and go and often lay dormant for a very long time. Sometimes you just get tired of trying to figure it out. Seems kind of hopeless. And from what you can tell, most others are experiencing a whole lot of the same of what you are. Okay, I'm really projecting here. So let's tackle something a bit easier. Consider the cosmos. You may well have gone through this similar thought process more than once. We are told that there may be up to 2 trillion galaxies in our observable universe. 2 trillion. Not planets, not stars, but galaxies. 
We can't begin to comprehend that number. Google examples of what a trillion is like. It won't help enough. And these galaxies are hundreds of thousands of light years long, wide, and thick. We really can't comprehend that either. We are told that there are billions of stars in each of these trillions of galaxies. Does that number even exist? And most of these stars have orbiting objects. Brilliance upon brilliance of mind would have a hard time with all of this. You probably already know this. In our galaxy called the Milky Way, the Sun is the star which is about 93 million miles away from Earth. The Earth orbits the Sun. The Earth is about 25,000 miles in diameter. On this Earth are approximately 7 billion people, of whom you and I are two. Perspective. How does this make you feel? But even this perspective is incomprehensible. And this is just the physical universe as we know it. Does this perspective help answer our who am I question? It might make us feel a certain way. Like, are we just a most ridiculous minute speck in this vast universe that exists without much significance? Or are we incredibly special because, in spite of our unimaginably small physical presence in the universe, we aren't sure, but maybe, for the time being, from what we do know, we are quite rare in this universe. In this vast, partially known, and extremely hostile universe, what are the odds that we even exist? How did we beat those impossible odds? By chance? By a miracle? By an all-powerful God? The where I am question doesn't really answer the who I am question for me. There is more to us than just the physical. In fact, a lot more. The physical world and the perspective we gain from considering it has benefit, but we are so much more than the physical presence of our bodies. The soul and spirit parts of us exist and must be taken into account. I think the soul is the uniquely personality part of us. No two humans, even identical twins, have identical souls. We each think, feel, and are distinctly one of a kind. How is it that multiple children born to the same parents can be so different? In addition, we all experience life differently. This all impacts our identity, how we see ourselves, our who am I question. In my earliest memories, I think I wanted to be like my dad. Compared to me at the time, he was big, strong, and there didn't seem to be anything he couldn't do. As I got a bit older, I did begin to see that he wasn't quite as big and strong as I thought, and there were things that he couldn't do. So Superman and the Lone Ranger became the new, big, strong, nothing-he-can't-do kind of role models. Of course, those were just stories, but they served as a brief replacement for losing my dad to that idealistic place that I probably was wanting for some of my identity. Outgrowing the fictional idols, I became fascinated with biographies of real people. In elementary school, those biographies were presented as real people. However, those in the weekly reader book club were on a pedestal that was bigger than my life. I would marvel at stories of explorers, warriors, inventors, competitors, adventurers, overcomers of incredible challenges. All of that had an impact on me. What would it have been like to be living in their time in history? Or living with them? Or even being them? 
Just like what has happened to you, adult neighbors, teachers, relatives, and family friends all began to influence the perception of who I was. Slowly, I began to realize what was normal for me wasn't necessarily normal for others. While that is especially obvious for those outside of our immediate bubble, there was a growing understanding that there were differences of personalities and temperaments, physical and mental abilities, aptitudes for art, science, sports, and so on. Differing ages of people provided differing perspectives. Life is certainly more complex at 15 or 50 than at 5. So the answer to, who am I, seems to be significantly influenced by a composite of life experiences. But the most important and powerful influences were from those people closest to me. I was loved well at home, but it certainly wasn't perfect. The roles I was assigned helped define me, even if I didn't like them or felt inadequate to fill them. Others' expectations of and plans for me did that as well. The journey of self-discovery is messy, at best, and totally convoluted most of the time. We are trying to figure out who we are from what life throws at us, the good, bad, in-between, and who knows what else. Sometimes we think we have something figured out about ourselves, and then a new person or experience hits us with something strange or unexpected, and the reevaluation begins all over again. We accept this as a normal part of life processing, after all. What else has there been? What else is there? A huge part of growing up and the defining of our identities comes from our soul-level desires of wanting to belong to someone and to some group. We long to be accepted. And perhaps most importantly, we long to be approved of by others. Where we find that, from whom we find that, has a huge impact on our self-perceptions. While there are many good, healthy ways for that to happen, There are also some ways that are really, really bad, very unhealthy, and do much harm. We can look at other people and sometimes wonder how in the world they can think the way they do, or how they do what they did. It might be more reasonable to think that way if everyone lived close and in our own environment, but that just isn't the case. In fact, it doesn't take much of a variance at all to make for an outcome that is hugely different from one person to the next. We can walk another person's life journey only in part. For some, we may compare ourselves with them and feel pretty good about ourselves. Or not. Of course, others look at us in similar ways, but for different reasons. Speaking of comparing in generalities, looking around the world, I think most people in our country mostly do okay with life. Generally, we grow up understanding that following the law is important, And we do that most of the time, especially the most important ones. Generally, our values of personal responsibility and taking care of our families and neighbors has served us comparatively well. But that is all based on a standard of comparing ourselves to other places in the world. Idealistically, and let's face it, we won't even agree on what that is, we fall short and continually strive in a variety of ways to do better. So... As you have been processing these thoughts, have you figured out any better the who I am question? Any closer to a satisfying answer? Well, hopefully, if nothing else, just thinking about this stuff brings up a bit of clarity, even if it's just in one aspect of your life or maybe just for a moment. As a parent, there are a lot of ways I wish that what I understand about life now would have been what I had better understood when my kids were born.
That is especially true in the area of their identities. While our children have to go through their own life experiences to help define them, there are some foundational concepts that may have provided a stronger and better framework for some of that process to happen. Some of this was in place while raising our children, but it could have been much better. My hope and prayer is that their parenting will improve immensely on what they receive from my wife and me, and I believe they will. Here are some of what I would have tried to be more intentionally clear and precise about at different stages of their lives. I know they got a lot of this organically, but maybe it would have helped to have had it more structured at times. So let's go back to our processing about the universe. Here are some identity framework thoughts. There is a real, live, perfect God. He is responsible for us coming into existence. He is the very definition of love and loves each of us in all of our uniqueness without favor. We can be loved no better by anyone else. Our world, it's a broken mess that we are intentionally and continually trying to make better. He knows we come into this kind of world. He knows that the brokenness is in us and comes at us from the world. And God wants to rescue us from all that is bad and wrong and from a final death. So, to do that, he invites us to be adopted into his family, to belong to his perfect world for eternity. It takes a bit of faith on our part to believe him, what he has done already, what he is doing now, and will continue to do for us. But if we do choose to believe him, he will forgive us of our imperfections and make us his own. He will give us a perfectly new heart and new spirit that aligns with his. We will have a new hope. As his adopted child, he will totally approve of us. We will completely and eternally belong in his family. We can then carry his name and our identity will be defined by that. If I could have more clearly communicated that concept to my children age-appropriately as they grew up, I think it would have given them a better framework in which to discover the rest of who they are. With that growing understanding and experience, the good influences would have had a good place to land and the bad could be mitigated. The who I am question would have had a better framework in which to be answered. God has given a new basic identity to those who respond to his invitation to join his family. We are now primarily defined by our new father, the perfect father of the universe. There is nothing in this world that can compete successfully with that. We are now in an eternally loving relationship with perfection. We are totally accepted, adopted, and approved by him. As his sons and daughters, children of the Almighty Righteous Father, we belong to his family. Our father and brother are our true role models. We don't have to compete or compare with anyone else. We don't have to despair of the struggles and failures in this life. The personal junk we experience, disappointments, guilt, shame, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, condemnation, and any and all other negative things you can think of or feel, they no longer define us. It doesn't matter what others say about us or do to us. We don't have to keep up with anyone. Our value and worth is never in question. Think of it this way. You may have adopted a child or know those who have. If so, you know the high price, literally, that has to be paid. How great a sacrifice is required in so many ways to make that happen. And then, when it does finally happen, the joy of the parents knows no bounds. The child now has an opportunity to experience a far better life than would have been otherwise possible. 
It is a win-win. If that can happen for us on a human level, how much more joy does a creator God of love have? Joy for himself and for each one of us imperfect humans who accepts his adoption offer. The high price and sacrifice he made for us guarantees his total acceptance and approval of us. We now fully have his identity as our own. We know the answer to the question, who I am, because we know whose we are, to whom we belong. In this world, we will continue to experience attacks that will try to tear us away from this identity-defining relationship. But we are eternally secure in our new family identity. We will be learning to roll over, crawl, walk, and run as we grow in this new family. There will be stumbles and falls, but there will never be anything that can take away our new family and personal identity. In a future episode, we'll go into the question of, what am I doing here? For now, seriously consider what it means to be a son or daughter of a powerful God of love. Thank you for listening today. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer, and this is the Grace Intersect Podcast. As we process together, please know your thoughts and or questions are welcome. Comments may be made at the graceintersect.com website or by emailing comments at graceintersect.com.